24th chapter, Matthew the 24th chapter, and we'll begin at verse number 4. Matthew 24 and 4. Sometimes when we go <clears throat> to um, the same passage over and over and over again, you know, I even begin to ask myself, ask the Lord, you know, do I, um, I mean, obviously, you know, the things that he's laid on my heart to, to present to you this morning, we could begin at, you know, five or six different verses, just pick one. Um, but I really felt, again, impressed that this is where we need to begin uh, because we're, we're doing a thorough, uh, um, if you wanted to use a technical term, uh, uh, it's, it's called exegesis. In other words, we're, that just simply means we're expanding it. Um, we're, we're, we're explaining it. We're opening it up. And so we're doing a, a fairly thorough uh, expounding uh, exegetical study uh, of this passage. Uh, and I really feel like the Holy Spirit led us to this. Um, in light of the season that we're in. Um, but, you know, we wouldn't have to have been in this season for him to lead us here, but uh, he has led us here. And I continue to hear, thank you for the feedback that I hear from you, uh, that not only is this helping you, but also hear feedback from you that other uh, folks that you watch online or on, t- on TV um, are also being led of the Holy Spirit to, to teach, uh, you know, in this same vein of teaching, if not some of these same things. And so, again, that's just confirmation that the Holy Spirit has led us uh, to these passages. And what we have here is um, Jesus telling us what to expect as the end draws near. But he also tells us what we need to know to prepare for it. And the, and the two key things that we need to guard against, that we need to protect. And so we're going to talk more this morning about those things, perhaps, than some of the other details like we've done in the previous sermons. So with that said, let's begin. We may not read all 14 verses or or through verse 14, but verse 4 says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. And then we're not going to keep reading on through that. He, he goes into things that we need to look for, um, racial, uh, you know, races of people rising up against one another, um, spiritual warfare, pandemics, um, natural disasters. Um, in, you know, not, it says earthquakes, but the word in the original language, meant all kinds of natural disasters. Uh, we're seeing wildfires right now. Uh, there, I think, at last count, seven tropical depressions in the Atlantic um, headed, uh, um, what would it be, west. <laughs> we're west of the Atlantic, if you hadn't figured that out by now. Uh, so just all these things that are happening that Jesus said that we would not only see coming to pass, but we would see them occurring with greater frequency and greater intensity, all right? Now, the instructions, though, that he gave to you and me were twofold. Do not be deceived. Do not let your heart be troubled. And while these are, are two separate commands, they are related. Because for the born-again believer, the only way your heart's going to be troubled is if you're deceived, Okay? In other words, what does it mean to be deceived? To be deceived means to believe something to be true that's actually not true at all. 
Um, and as Keith Moore says, if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. All right. So when he says take heed, take heed, heed means more than hear. When, when, the, when the Bible says, like, for instance, they could not heed Moses' instructions, it doesn't mean that they didn't have the capacity to hear it. Heed means to hear and respond favorably. To, to hear something and then use what you're hearing uh, as some benefit to yourself uh, and, and to take that ball and run with it, so to speak. So they could hear what Moses was saying to them, and it was good news from God, but they couldn't respond to it because the Bible, in this case, speaks of how dejected they were and how much anxiety and anguish uh, they were experiencing in their lives. And so it made it very difficult for them, or at least it seemed very difficult for them, to respond to what Moses was saying, or ultimately what God was saying to them through Moses. Okay? So when he says, take heed, verse 4, that no one deceives you, he's not just talking about uh, a mental exercise, but he's, he's talking about a response uh, that you and I need to engage in to prevent ourselves from being deceived. Take heed, take heed that no one deceives you. And then verse 6, he says, see that you are not troubled. Matter of fact, let me just put that verse on the screen uh, by itself. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So, let me take that, that phrase that we've referred to several times already. Jesus said these things must come to pass. All right. So what is he communicating to us there? He's communicating to us there that he knows about these things, that, that this is not like anything that he wasn't aware of. It's, it's not like this took him by surprise. You know, you may have not, I may not have been expecting COVID in 2020, but Father knew that COVID was going to come, right? He said pandemics were going to come. And so here we are, earth is in labor pangs, and, you know, contracting, and, and, and this is what a contraction looks like upon planet earth. And, and so he's saying, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. If Jesus says they must come to pass, then they must come to pass. But you have to take this uh, in, in the context of all the other things that he's taught us about this, and that is... That you and I, as children of God, can not only survive during these things, but that we should thrive in the midst of these things. That just because these things are happening on planet Earth, remember, we're, we're here, but this Earth is not our home. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. And so, because we have a covenant and are citizens... Of, of the kingdom heavenly realm, we're here on a mission as ambassadors. And so what's going on in the world around us, um, I don't want you to take the, the, the wrong impression from this, but it, it doesn't apply to us in the sense that, that this, is, these, this, is, this is not, uh, in other words, we rise above these things. Amen. All right. So he says, see that you are not troubled. So he used the word heed in relationship to deception, now he uses the word see in relationship to see that you are not troubled. So this word see, it speaks to perception, 
Okay? So I'm going to try not to use a whole bunch of big words this morning. But when he's talking about seeing, he's not just talking about seeing physically with your eyes. When he says, see that you are not troubled, he's talking about the way you perceive something or the way you process it or the way that you understand it. So he's saying here that the key to not being troubled is determined by having the correct perception or understanding of these things as you see them happening, right? It's kind of like what we were talking about a couple of Wednesday nights ago when he said in James 1, count it all joy, and then count it all joy that you, you know, when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith. So count it all joy knowing is what he's saying. In other words, those two things are connected. He says that there's some things that you can know that will cause you to have joy rather than sorrow when you're dealing with certain uh, situations in your life. So when he says, see that you are not troubled, he's saying that not being troubled in the middle of the chaos that's going on around us is dependent upon us understanding or having the right perspective on what what these things actually are and what they mean. All right, I can't go any further till I make sure you understand that part right there. That's critical right there. That's critical right there. And let's just talk about COVID for a moment, okay? So again, I mean, COVID's real. I know there's some folks that, you know, oh, it's just all made. No, it's real. I'm not telling you that to scare you. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's a real situation, all right? So is the blood of Jesus. It's real. Amen. So is the covenant that we have. So, so is Psalm 91, right? That it won't come nigh our dwelling. It's real, all right? So I, I'm not telling you that it's real to try to frighten you or, or, or alarm you, okay? But if you can have an understanding of what COVID is and what it means and, and, and what it's signifying that would cause you to be troubled, or you could have an understanding, a perception of what it is and what it means, amen, that, that will prevent your heart from being troubled. It all boils down to what you understand about it. Or let me, let me simplify it even further. How you look at it. Your perception of a thing is how you look at a thing. And if you haven't figured it out by now, we don't all look at things the same way. Amen. Paul Harvey, if you ever listen to him, I used to listen to him with uh, my grandfather in, in his truck. You know, the rest of the story. Amen. And one of, the, one of Paul Harvey's sayings that just stuck out in me from a, a kid, right, is he said, it's not one world. And what he meant by that is, you know, people have different opinions about things. They have different ways of looking at things. They, they, their, their perception, right, opinion, uh, it, it varies. And so Jesus is saying that if you have the wrong opinion about these things, if you look at these things through, through the lens of this world, then it's not only going, what is that? That's deception. Amen. And it's going to cause your heart to be troubled. So the command here is don't be deceived. Take heed that no one deceives you and see that you are not troubled. Now, let me see here if I can, amen, <laughs> without, you know, getting you too uh, uh, uptight about this. Jesus is clearly saying that we have responsibility here. That, that your heart being troubled does not depend entirely upon him. 
right? But that there are some things that you and I must do, and there are some things that you and I must understand if we're going to live in troubled times without being troubled, all right? So there is a personal responsibility here, and Jesus is once again reminding us of that responsibility when, you know, the Scriptures clearly say for you and me to guard our hearts. Now, let's look at, and this is in relationship to another chain of events, but John, I'll put it up on the screen, John chapter 14 and verse 1. Jesus begins this chapter by saying, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, this word let literally means and simply means allow. So Jesus is saying to you and me, Do not allow your heart to be troubled. Do not allow your heart to be troubled. Now, the context of this, the the reference to this is Jesus is is beginning to explain to them because his, you know, crucifixion and death and burial and resurrection, all of that now, and by the time John 14 rolls around, is getting very near. It's drawing near. It's getting close, close at hand. And so he's beginning to explain to them that he's going to have to leave them. And he's saying, listen, what I'm about to tell you could potentially, if you have the wrong perspective, if you don't understand what's going on, it's, it, it could potentially cause your heart to be troubled. And he begins this whole explanation with the very, uh, you know, specific, simple, specific instructions. Do not allow your heart to be troubled. He goes on to say, you believe in God, believe also in me. So this is the key, right? Uh, again, as to how we uh, prevent our hearts from being troubled is to believe God. It's to believe what God has said. But to believe what God has said, we got to know what he said. Amen? Now, when Jesus says, do not allow your heart to be troubled, you see, there are so many folks in this world who believe, and they're deceived, but they believe that they have absolutely no say-so in whether or not their hearts are troubled. That they, that they have absolutely no say-so in whether or not you know, things around them agitate them, stir them up, confuse them. We're going to look at what this word trouble really means, okay? I think you probably have a clue, but we're going to dig into it a little deeper. But there are so many people in this world, they, they experience all kinds of sorrow and grief and anxiety. And the Bible says anxiety in the heart of man, Proverbs 12 and 25, causes depression. And so there's so many people in our world today that are living with anxiety. They're living with depression. They're, they're, they're living with a troubled heart. And they literally do not believe or understand that they actually can do something about it. Or that they have something to say, you know, when, when it comes to their heart being troubled or not. One last thing and we'll move on. Jesus would have never told you and me, do not allow your heart to be troubled if we did not have the ability to prevent it from being troubled. He would have said something like this. Because he goes on to say, in my father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, if, if there was nothing you could do, if there was nothing I could do to prevent my heart from being troubled, Jesus would have said, look, I know these things are going to upset you. You know, just, just hang in there. Um, you know, you'll get over it eventually. 
Um, no, no, that's not what he said. He's like, I'm fixing to tell you some things that if you don't have the right understanding and perspective on, it's going gonna, it's gonna to trouble you. Do not allow, do not allow your heart to be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So can we just, can we be men and women about it this morning? Can we be mature about it? I'm going to put it up on the screen. It's a little strong. If your heart is troubled, it's because you have allowed it to be. If your heart's troubled, it's because you've allowed it to be. Now, the good news is, that's not here to, to offend or condemn anybody, but the good news is, if, if you've allowed it to be, you can put a stop to it. If you've allowed it to be troubled, you can say, enough is enough right now, draw the line in the sand, and, and, and rise up in faith, and say, I'm not going to sit back and allow my heart to be troubled any longer. Now, think about this as well. If Jesus does not want your heart to be troubled, reckon who does. Amen? Are you seeing the other side of this coin? If Jesus does not want your heart to be troubled, but and he'll help you with this, but he can't, without your cooperation, he can't do it alone. Okay? So if Jesus is not wanting our hearts to be troubled... Anybody figured out yet who does want your heart to be troubled? It's Satan. Your enemy, the devil. He is the one who wants your heart troubled. And we'll talk about that a little more in here in just a moment. Let's look at a few more verses for first. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. The instructions here are very, again, simple, straightforward. Keep your heart. King James Version uses the word guard, guard your heart, protect your heart, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Out of your heart spring the issues of life. Okay? I'm going to just kind of hit you with several verses, and then we'll kind of talk about them all as a group. All right? But once again, whose responsibility is it? He didn't say, I will guard your heart. Right? He said, you guard your own heart. Keep your heart. You are the gatekeeper. Psalm 24 says, lift up your heads, O ye gates. He's not talking about a fence that's half uh, wood or metal and half man. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. He's saying that you're the gatekeeper for your own heart. And it's your responsibility to guard your heart, to keep your heart with all diligence. Can we talk about this on a a practical level? You can't feed your heart with the confusion and chaos and idiocy of this world and, and never feed it with the word of God and the truth of God and expect your heart to not be troubled. You, you can't, you can't listen to, 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 to all the, the trouble and, and feed your eyes, your eye gate and your ear gate, the gateways to your mind and to your heart. You, you can't sit there and feed on that, um, injustices and offenses and, 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 and these kinds of things. Some of you, I heard a little bit about it. Uh, other folks have, have mentioned it to me this morning. You know, where two police officers sitting in their car shot by some man full of the devil. They're in the emergency room at the, at the hospital in Los Angeles, and the protesters are outside trying to break into the emergency room, hollering all kinds of obscenities at these men uh, and, and, and wishing their, their death and cursing their families. Okay? Again, listen to me. If, if, 
if you have any sense of justice and morality and, and sanity about you, uh, that has potential to trouble. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And so the, the strategy of the enemy is for us to feed on every COVID statistic, feed on everything the Republicans have said lately, the Democrats have said lately, you know, the, the, the latest chatter from your favorite news outlet uh, and, he, and all the rhetoric, right? And for those things to trouble your heart, Right? So again, no matter what side of the political aisle you may be on this morning, and I'm not preaching politics, just hear me. I'm not preaching politics. Whatever side of the political aisle you may be on, what the other side is, is saying, right, has the potential to trouble your heart if you focus on those things, if you allow those things to come into your mind. Can I, can, look, do you mind if I tell you who I'm voting for for president? I'm voting for unborn children and God's chosen people. If you want to vote for abortion and sworn enemies of Israel, then you go right ahead. You can vote for one nation, or you can vote for one nation under God. Right? I'm going to vote for one nation under God. Do not get caught up in the gender, in the personalities, in the political parties, in the rhetoric. Don't get caught up in that. That's what the devil, I saw smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. What it boils down to, right? Are you hearing me? It's what it boils down to. And in my lifetime, in my lifetime, it has never been a more clear difference between what the different political parties stand for. But again, I'm not getting caught up in all that. I don't, I don't care who the man is or who the woman is or what color they are or how old they are or what kind of shoes they wear or, or what they said last week that might have been offensive, okay? I'm voting for unborn children. I'm voting for Israel. I'm voting for one nation under God. Do you see that right there? Again, forgive me. No, don't forgive me. I'm not, I'm not asking forgiveness for that. But again, if, if, if you feed on the, even, again, no matter what side you're on, you're just like, oh, he's, you know, the polls, right? The, the, the history of it, all these things. Well, the Lord, I, I'm not ready to share all that yet, but the Lord has spoken to my heart about that. That's coming soon. But anyway, keep your heart, it's your responsibility, what you let in. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Romans 10 and 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So notice again, he's saying, from the heart come the issues of life. What you're experiencing in your life is, is coming out of your heart. If, if what you're experiencing in life is, is not what you want to experience in life, you can't just change what you're experiencing in life without changing what's in your heart because that's where it's coming from. So here he says, again, with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Matthew chapter 12 Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 and 35, Jesus speaking, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So we could teach and preach on these verses for the next three weeks. Here is, again, the simple bottom line that I want you 
and me to come to the conclusion of this morning. You can't keep trouble out of your life if you can't keep trouble out of your heart. But if you can keep trouble out of your heart, you can keep trouble, amen, out of your life. Because what's in the heart, Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out of him that defiles him. And so the enemy is wanting your heart to be troubled. Because let me tell you something real quick, brother, sister. Faith is a function of the heart, and your faith will not work effectively if your heart is troubled. The enemy knows that the only answer to what we're experiencing in our world today is God. And it's for God's people to rise up in faith. Amen. And so if he can get the hearts of God's people troubled, then the measure of faith that God's put in our hearts will at least be hindered and, and, and not as effective, if not rendered ineffective altogether. So if you want to keep trouble out of your life, you got to keep trouble out of your heart. So this brings us to an important point. What is, what is troubled? Well, amen. I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it up on the, on the screen here. The word troubled means to stir up, agitate. It's figuratively used of the mind to stir up trouble, disturb with various emotions such as fear. And then the last part of troubled is, big words like mayonnaise, to perplex or put in trepidation. Ooh, right, okay? So this is what it means, troubled. If you want the simple, uh, basic understanding of troubled, it means to stir up, to agitate, right? So the enemy is trying to, to, to agitate us, to keep us in this, in this state of trouble where, where, where we're constantly being stirred up uh, in, a, in a negative way. But let's dig into this again. That's the simple, basic understanding of it. As a matter of fact, you can, you can take your hand and put it in water and you can trouble the water, meaning what? You're agitating it or you're stirring it up. Now, it's figuratively used of the mind to stir up trouble, disturb with various emotions such as fear. Because whatever you think about, right, is going to produce emotions in your life. If you think about sad things all the time, you, you are going to be a sad person all the time. If you think about worrisome things all the time and, 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 and experience anxiety, if you do that long enough, according to the Bible, anxiety is going to lead you to a place of depression. Now, to perplex or put in trepidation, what does this mean? So perplex means to, to make unable to grasp something clearly. To make unable to grasp something clearly or to think logically and decisively about something. So the simple, again, definition of this uh, is confusion. Confusion. A troubled heart is what? A confused heart. Is God the author of confusion? No. Satan is the one who loves confusion. Now, as I was looking at it, and one of the reasons, there's other things, obviously other Bible verses instead of definitions we could be looking at this morning. But one of the reasons that I really wanted to put this definition on the screen is I want you to think about it in light of COVID. To make unable to grasp something clearly. To be unable to think logically and decisively about something. If you, let me just use, let's just use the, the face mask for an example. 
The first word was put the mask on. The second one was no, take that mask off because if you wear the mask, it's gonna, it's gonna have opposite effect. It's, it's, and, then, and then they said yes mask, no mask, yes mask. Now they just finally, it's become the symbol of a whole crazy operation, right? It's wear the mask. Okay. But, but think about how many different things throughout this whole crisis have fit into this. It's, you know, it's perplexing. Unable to grasp it clearly, unable to think logically and decisively about something. Satan is wanting your heart to be troubled so that you will not think and act and speak decisively. He wants you in that place of limbo where you don't know whether to do this or, or do that. Whether you don't, you don't know whether to say this or say that. You don't know whether to go forward or go backward. That's, that's, that's the enemy wanting you and me to be manipulated into that place, right? And notice all of that is symptomatic of a troubled heart. Okay? Now, this other big word, trepidation. It means a feeling of fear or agitation about something that may happen. So again, it's, 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 it's kind of a, you know, designer word for worry, you know, at the, at the heart of it, it's worry. But remember, worry is a designer word for fear. Trepidation is a fancy word for fear. There's all kinds of fear. The Bible says God has delivered us from all my fears, plural. Trepidation is a type of fear. Amen. And, and definitively, it is a feeling of fear or agitation about something that may happen. Right? Now... It's one thing for trouble to be around you. It's another for trouble to be in you. This is why he's saying guard your heart. There's things that are going on around you that, that are troubling, but it's one thing for the trouble to be around you. It's another thing for the trouble to be in you. Satan knows that if he can get trouble around you, he's increasing his odds of accomplishing what he's really trying to accomplish, and that is to get the trouble in you. He wants the trouble around you to, to ultimately be trouble in you, or as Jesus said, your heart be troubled. Now, it's been a while since we've mentioned it, so let's mention it again this morning. Happiness is based upon what's happening all around you. Joy is based upon who lives inside of you and what he has done for you. The word happiness comes from the word happenstance. And this, again, has to do what's happening, uh, standing all around you, what's going on around you. So it's one thing for trouble to be around you. It's another for trouble to be in you. I know that there are at least 50 different reasons why Jesus slept in the boat while the storm was going on around him. But if for no other reason, he did that to, to literally set the example for me and you. This is what it looks like to be asleep in the bow of a boat with a violent storm going on all around you. Jesus had the peace of God in the midst of the storm. He was in the middle of trouble, but trouble was not in him and because trouble was not in him he was in a position to do something about the trouble around him if he'd allowed the trouble in him a trouble around him to get in him he would not have been able to put a stop to the trouble around him it's one of the most it's, 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 it's again it's so simple the devil knows that as long as your heart is not troubled you're a threat to the trouble you're a threat to shutting it down 
But he knows also that if he can get your heart troubled, you're going to be in a very uh, awkward position. You're going to be at, at, a, at a disadvantage, an underdog position of doing anything about the trouble going on around you. I, listen, it's, I, I take zero credit for it. It's 100% from the Holy Spirit. I love it when he, he gives me cool things to say, right? And, and, uh, and so I never want you, know, you to think, oh, that Pastor Mark's a genius. I am, I am an ignorant. Uh, I, I, amen. Without him, I, I can do nothing. Amen. But man, he, he spoke something to me a couple of weeks ago. We been talking about it on Wednesday night. It, it's, it has just, I just can think about it and smile, right? And this is what he said. He said, you cannot move the mountain as long as the mountain can move you. As long as the mountain can move you, you're not going to be able to move that mountain. It's the the same thing right here. You can't put a stop to the trouble if the trouble gets in you. Right? So Jesus is asleep in the boat, trouble all around him. He is at peace. You know, they wake him up in a panic. Notice now the trouble's done. Got in the disciples. You see it? The troubles, the trouble around them has now gotten in them. Their hearts are troubled. And notice the first thing they do is accuse God of not caring. Don't you care that we're all about to die? That's a troubled heart speaking foolishness, right? Where do you, where do you think that thought came from? Don't you care that we're all about to die? That came from the enemy. See, now, now they're being influenced. They're, 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 they're being manipulated, right, because their hearts are troubled. I mean, how, you realize why he was asleep, right? Because they had been in violent weather before, and he showed them what to do about it. He needed some rest. Many of you know Lawrence Harris. We call him Rev at the foundry. He, he has this little saying, that, and it always it just helps me, right? Anything that can seem like a big task, he likes to minimize it by calling it that little bit. Amen. And he'll say, he'll say, we can handle that little bit, right? Meaning what? Meaning we got the authority over that little bit, right? And that's kind of what I was thinking about. Jesus was asleep in the boat because they could handle that little bit. But now, right, they got to, they got to wake him up and, and, and get him, uh, you know, to do it. And their trouble's done, you know, taken over their hearts, and because the trouble around them has gotten inside of them, they're not operating in faith. I mean, I, they're far from faith. They're, they're, they're hollering at Jesus. They're blaming God. Where are you? Why? You know, and I don't even think I need to point it out that that's what we see so many people in our world, what they're doing today. But once again, Jesus slept in peace in the bow of the boat while a violent storm raged all around him. Now, you cannot allow the trouble around you to trouble you and steal your joy. Okay? What is Nehemiah 8.10, the last part of that verse? Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The enemy knows that if he can steal your joy by using trouble around you, Get trouble inside of you, that trouble inside of you begins to siphon off your joy. Now, what has he succeeded in doing? He's weakened you. You went from a foe that could dominate him 
to a weakened, troubled believer at a disadvantage to what the enemy is trying to affect in this world. So we cannot allow the circumstances around us to produce confusion and fear inside of us. When Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled, he was basically saying, because that word troubled, if we're going to break it down to just two simple words, it's confusion and fear. Confusion and fear. When he said, don't let your heart be troubled, he's saying, don't let it be confused and don't let it be afraid. Do not fear and do not be confused. Why is that? Well, again, I'm just kind of funneling all this down, making points upon points. Fearful and confused people are easily manipulated by the devil. Matter of fact, I believe it, it's, it's, it's a graph. The more fearful and confused you are, the easier it is for the devil to manipulate you. The less fearful and the, and the less confused you are, the harder it is for him to manipulate you. And if there's no confusion, if you're crystal clear on what the Word of God has said, and there is no fear, but you have 100% confidence in, 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 in what God has said, and you have His perspective on what's going on around you, then, my brother, my sister, you are in a position to change what's going on around you by faith. If the trouble gets in, if the confusion gets in, right? I mean, I'm being silly here, but can you imagine, like, if Jesus had woke up and said, I'm not letting you die. It's my father. Dad, why are you doing this? Right? You think he would have ever been able to shut that storm down? Absolutely not. Right? So, I keep losing connection here. Amen. So, I'm not going to let it trouble me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'll outsmart him. Praise God. You still with me this morning? All right, I know I'm about out of time. Let me, let me try to find a place to land this plane here. All right. Praise God. Um, let me, this is where I thought we would begin this morning, but this is obviously where we're ending this morning. <clears throat> so, in light of what's going on around us, Satan uses crises, Okay. Christy, that's slide 38. I don't, I've lost control of it. Right, okay. Satan uses crises. Crises is, is crisis plural. And so we're not just experiencing one crisis in, this, in, in our world today, in the world. I'm going to correct myself every time, okay? The world. We're in the world. The world system. We're not of it, okay? So it's not my world. It's my earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I'm talking about, when I say the world, I'm about the system of the world, right? This world system is experiencing crises, plural, more than one happening at the same time. And Satan uses crises, real or imagined, to try and manipulate us into survival mode. Now, what do we mean by survival mode? We'll go into this in greater detail next Sunday. But if Satan can trouble our hearts to the point that he gets us in survival mode, this means that we're, we're in a mode of thinking and speaking and living that only has one view in mind, and that is self-preservation. Where, where we think we've got to do this 
in order to survive. Where we think we've got to make this concession in order to survive. That if we don't do what, uh, and I'm, I don't mean what God's telling us. I mean, if we don't do what the government's telling us. If we don't do, um, you, you know, quit driving big cars. You know, we're going to burn this earth to a crisp. You know, the, the, these, these kinds of things, all right? So that's why, you know, we, we talked last week a little bit about global warming, and, and we, we looked at magazine covers where, where, you know, in the 70s, it was the big freeze. It was the coming ice age. Now in the 2000s, you know, beginning uh, it really, you know, early 2000s, now it's, 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 it's not the freeze, but it's, it's the heat is on, right? And so <clears throat> all of this is, is what we mean by, by crisis and how the enemy is trying to use the crisis to trouble your heart to get you into, into this um, survival mode of thinking and speaking and living. I've heard different people ascribe the quote to different folks. The, the, the one that I think most people settle on is Winston Churchill. Um, other people say it was Roosevelt. Other people say, you know, Different, but the the one thing you do have in common, as far as whoever said this first, is that they are all politicians. Okay, and here's the quote: Are you ready? They say, "Never let a good crisis go to waste." Mm-hmm. Never let a good crisis go to waste. What do they mean by that? They know they understand crisis mode. They understand survival mode. They understand that when people perceive a threat, they are more willing to vote for things and make choices that they would not make if there were not the threat of the pending crisis. You hear me? Okay. Now, what COVID and global warming are showing us is the greater the crisis the more dependent people are becoming on the government and the more willing they are to surrender themselves and their rights. Hello. Now, I don't think you need to tell me this is a very dangerous response. Now, you may ask, how will the Antichrist do it one day, Pastor Mark? I believe this is exactly how he will do it. That there will be so much crisis, crises, so many crises, so much chaos in the world. You realize in order for there to be one world government, this nation would have to agree to that. <laughs> I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, you can disagree with me, it's fine, okay? I'm not speaking from some book I read, I'm speaking from the Holy Spirit. This nation is the last holdout. If it weren't for the United States of America, we might, now you've got Canada, you've got Great Britain, amen? And at least they had enough sense to get themselves out of the, out of the union there, right? 
But that was already, when all of those, that European Union started coming together, my friend, that was, again, is the Antichrist here? I don't know if he's here yet or not, but the spirit of Antichrist is already here, right? And, this, and the Bible says we're headed towards a one world government. And in order for there to be a one world government, at some point, the United States of America is going to have to agree to no longer govern ourselves, but be governed by one person who's going to govern the world. Now, right now, well, let me say, let me say this, right? Um, this time last year, that seems so far-fetched and preposterous. But I'm going to tell you something, my friend, based upon what I've seen since March of this year and what some folks in this country are, are willing to give up and willing to, uh, to succeed, amen, uh, succeed, give up, turn, not succeed, succeed, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, so one last time, what COVID and global warming are showing us is the greater the crisis, the more dependent people become on the government and the more willing they are to surrender themselves and their rights. This is a very dangerous response. You may ask, is this how the antichrist will do it? This is exactly how he will do it. Stand with me this morning. Christy, would you put slide 46 on the screen for me? Amen. Can y'all see that? (laughs) A new normal. My brother, my sister, beware of these words, okay? Our God's a God of change. Amen. Our God's a God of change. But his change is always for the better. When Father changes things in your life, it doesn't take away your freedom. It, it, it uh, augments it. It adds to it. When, when Father changes things in your life, it doesn't make you more of a slave to the powers that be. It sets you free. Are you following me? A new normal. A new normal. We see, we we let them, we I say we, um, after 9-11, that, that was when we really, right, we just celebrating the 19th anniversary of that. In the aftermath of all, all that, right, they said, Well, things will never be the same. It's a new normal. And you know, you look at it, you say, Well, I mean, some things I guess we needed to be tighter security our airport so forth so on okay but compare that new normal to 19 years ago to the new normal um how about the new normal that all the coal mining jobs are going away that's a new normal all the industrial jobs in this country are going away that's a new normal thank god thank god the current administration has pushed back against some of that and some of you in this room are beneficiary of, of, of those policies. But notice how the new normal, they're, they're not only coming quicker, but the new normals are changing and changing and changing. There are certain people in our country, they're looking for the new normal, that it's no longer one nation under God, it's just one nation. They're wanting that to become the new normal. You see what I'm saying? It, it happens incrementally. It happens gradually over time. 
It's like the frog in the pot. If you put the frog in the boiling water, he'll jump right out. But if you put him in there and you turn the water, you turn the heat up and let the water, the cold water gradually become warm, he'll, he'll boil himself alive without ever fighting against it. Amen. Sometimes I'm standing right here in these moments and, my, and in my head I'm going, did I go too far? And in my heart I'm, I'm going, you didn't go far enough, but we'll, um, we'll put, a, put a fork in it for now. Amen. Do not let your heart be troubled. And if it's troubled, then we, we, we got we to gotta get that corrected. Amen. The Bible says that Father will give you His peace that passes all understanding and it will guard your heart and your mind. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these beautiful men and women. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Such a beautiful crowd this morning, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for people who are faithful and, and, and Lord, whether to join here on campus or to watch live streaming or later by archive. Thank you, Lord. We, we are so blessed here in our family of faith at Heritage. And Father, we, we've experienced some potentially troubling things over the last several months in our world, but I thank you, Father, that your word is eternal. And your word is the same today, just like you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I thank you, Father, that we are not going to allow the trouble in this world around us to bring trouble inside of us. But, Lord, once again, we're going to shine as your lights of, 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 of righteousness, of rightness, of, of, of wisdom, Father, uh, of peace and joy in the midst of the chaos and, and the confusion that's in this world right now. Father, I, I thank you that you're our provider. And I thank you, Father, that, that you are uh, teaching us uh, to trust you, to look to you, to recognize you, Father. Even when famines and lack and, and things like we're seeing happen, Lord, in the world around us, the economies of this world, Father, our trust is in you. And we acknowledge you today. We honor you today as our good, good Father. Lord, as we go our separate ways, we thank you for helping us. Let our light so shine before men that they see our good works. Glorify you, Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here this morning, for joining us online. Tell somebody around you good things coming. You have a great